Last weekend, we celebrated Pentecost, which marks both the end of the Easter season and the beginning of the church. We heard how the Holy Spirit energized the apostles to preach the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that would be understood in every nation. And that event, recounted in the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, is the beginning of a missionary movement that would spread the gospel everywhere. Since Pentecost reveals the beginning of the church, it is most fitting that on the following two Sundays, this week and next, we celebrate two of the greatest gifts our church has been given. Today, the Holy Trinity, and next week, the body and blood of the Lord. Today, the Holy Trinity. I am reminded of a young professor I had at the beginning of my theology studies. His academic specialty was the Church Fathers, and in the decades since I studied with him, he has written a slew of splendid books and articles while being a teacher and mentor to many. But beyond this, there was something special. He was a convert from Islam. And having discovered the Holy Trinity in young adulthood, he had a convert's zeal in his devotion to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His surprise and wonder before this revelation of the truth about God, his deep gratitude for the superabundant gifts poured out by each of the three persons in the one God, his thirst to respond to those gifts and to their invitation to enter with them into fullness of life with God. All this, for him, was fresh and vibrant and foundational. Those of us brought up in the faith often have so much to learn from converts. They see the holy mysteries with fresh eyes and understand so clearly how much is at stake. It is easy, and I'm afraid much too common, for our practice to become routine and formulaic, and perhaps especially so with this central mystery of our faith, the Holy Trinity. We say the sign of the cross. We repeat the glory be. We recite the Nicene Creed, that most authoritative statement of Trinitarian belief. Yes, but so often in the moment it is just the same old words passing through our minds. And yet, most of us have actually experienced the distinct personal touch of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I want to begin today with experience before coming to revealed truth and finally ending in wonder. Our experience of the Son is even physical. His own body and blood in the Eucharist becomes one with our own cells. And when Jesus teaches us in the Gospels how to live in the messiness of our everyday human life, we feel the power of God's own word expressed in those unique, pungent, straight-to-the-heart words of the man Jesus who really walked the ground in Palestine. Or think of this. 
For everyone who approaches to touch or kiss the cross on Good Friday, there is an individual experience of sin and sorrow and hope. And we are touched by the forgiveness, the redemption, and the loosening of burdens that flows from that cross. God the Son. And who among us has not experienced the Holy Spirit, perhaps without even naming it? <clears throat> Those times in prayer and worship, when a new peace or an unexpected resolve come upon us from a power beyond ourselves. The insights that break the log jams of our confusion. The words of truth we sometimes speak in a conversation or even within ourselves that clearly come from elsewhere. The consolation we receive from a blessing or when we receive the sacrament of anointing in sickness. God, the Holy Spirit. And then, God the Father. Do we not all feel when we open our eyes to this strange and wonderful created world that an intelligence beyond all knowing is behind its creation and a mighty hand is in some mysterious way guiding its course? And when we trust ourselves and our destiny to him as our father, isn't it then that we know ourselves to be in the right place, the true place, the path to fullness of life, to life eternal? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. I have begun here by pointing to some ways that beginning from personal experience, we can have some inkling of the mystery of the Holy Trinity. Those experiences point us in the right direction, and it's important for us to notice them and draw on them and treasure them. So far, so good. But experiences are not revelation. It is God who re reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is true whether we notice it or not, believe it or not, understand it or not. How does God make this truth known then? By the events recounted in scripture, by God's act of creation, by sending the Son and the Spirit, by his inauguration of the kingdom and his setting all things right in the end. And God makes this truth known through the ongoing reflection of the church known as tradition, which inspires a fuller understanding of the record of scripture. What then does God reveal in scripture and tradition? That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct persons in one God. Our experiences of being touched in different ways by each of these divine persons suggested this, but our experiences are not enough they could lead us astray. We might conclude from them that the Son and the Spirit are demigods of some kind, created by the one God. We might conclude that the names Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just terms to describe the different ways we experience the one God. We might conclude that 
Each is just a description of a particular attribute or function of the one God. All these views and many others have been proposed in the attempt to puzzle this mystery out, some in ancient times, some right up to the present. But they all have one thing in common. All of them undercut and minimize the full truth of the Holy Trinity. That is why trusting in God's revelation is so necessary. From scripture and from tradition, we believe in one God in three persons, not three metaphors or images, not three descriptive attributes, but three real live persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the truth God has revealed to us. That is the mystery of the Holy Trinity we hold to. Now beyond this, there are questions about why and how, and there are theological answers. Many, many theories down through the centuries. But on this feast of the Holy Trinity, I want to urge you simply to stand in the shoes of my teacher, the convert, and to feel with him the surprise, the wonder, and the gratitude we owe to a God who has revealed himself in Christian faith to be so superabundantly life-giving, so bent on saving us, and so loving as to be a trinity of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we stand in that place of wonder, I want to challenge all of us to try to affirm the creed we are about to say in today's Mass as though we were hearing it for the first time, with the freshness of surprise and discovery and of stale expectations being blown away. I challenge all of us this week to pray, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit with the amazement this prayer deserves. And finally, I ask you to join me now in affirming the earth-shattering mystery of the Holy Trinity. Let us together make the sign of the cross. And please join me now as we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.